You're listening to Brave and Boss Podcast, episode two of season five. On today's episode, I am interviewing Nicole Delarzek, who is the host of the Productpreneur Podcast and a product business coach. And we're going to talk all about the essential steps to launching and growing a product-based business. So let's get into it. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Brave and Boss podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the Ethical Fashion Brand Encircled host of this podcast, mentor, business coach. I am excited to be back with you today and bringing you a new interview this week. And this season, as I mentioned, is going to be full of these. And we have some amazing guests on the show coming up. And definitely today's guest is, you know, the best intro to that, I think. So I'm going to get into that in a minute. But for now, I just want to talk through a little bit of the updates. So I know if you've listened to the intro from season five, you've heard just, you know, things are changing in e-commerce. And I think it's a bit of a tough go right now for a lot of brands, my own brand included. It's a time of disruption in e-commerce and we're feeling the ebb and flow of the pandemic effect in e-commerce as well. So now's the time to get super creative with what you're doing and to also reach out for support from those who you need it to. So I encourage you to join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash brave and boss that will get you to our Facebook group. It's totally free. Come on in. We're a cool gang. You can hang with us, ask any questions you want. I'm in there maybe about once a week and I can answer your questions. Of course, I don't do like private coaching in there, but there's a bunch of people in there who all who own product-based businesses to support you. So that's a great free option to get support during this time. I am doing some paid coaching. I'm not taking on any clients until mid-December, but if you are interested, you can definitely reach out to me at hello at christysumer.com to find information and get on my wait list. And I'll also put a link in the show notes to my coaching packages. And then definitely like leverage your network. That would be my best advice for right now. When things are being disrupted in an industry, you know, connect as much as possible with other e-commerce founders that you know, set up coffee chats with them virtually share what's working for you, what's, you know, see what's working for them and definitely come from a place of service and doing these people's time is super valuable, but the more you can provide value to that person, the better those tend to go or um, definitely joining communities and stuff like that is another option. But, you know, in a time when things are disruptive, it's a tendency for us to like shrink and go back into ourselves. But this is a time to reach out and don't be afraid to share your struggles in your business because if you follow me on Instagram at Christy Sumer, you know, I talk all about that. And that's something I'm really passionate about because entrepreneurship is an app, actual crapshoot. Like it is an actual emotional roller coaster on a daily basis, not just weekly, daily. And the more you can start to realize that and really embrace that, the better things are going to be in your business and in your personal life, quite frankly. So let's get into talking about how to create a winning product. That is something that I think is really essential for all business owners. So no matter whether or not you are launching a business right now, if you're pre-launch or maybe you're in 
just the early stages of launching, or perhaps you're wanting to grow and you don't know what product to launch next, um, that's what we're going to talk about today on this episode with Nicole DeLarzac. So who is Nicole? She is a product business coach, the host of the Productpreneur podcast, and she takes the mystery out of building product-based businesses by helping aspiring entrepreneurs launch and scale their product. She's a marketing consultant with over 20 years of marketing strategy. So she comes from CPG as well, which is amazing. And she started a product business in Australia, growing it to over $2 million in sales. So we're going to come up and talk about all the steps to launching a product and making an amazing product for your existing or new customers. So let's get into it. Please join me in welcoming Nicole. Okay. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest to you all. Please join me in welcoming Nicole DeLarzac to the show. She is the host of the Productpreneur podcast and also a product-based business coach. Welcome, Nicole, to Brave and Boss. Thank you so much, Christy. I'm so excited to be on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you too. So for those of the that haven't heard of you in the space, can you start me off with like a quick intro? Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do what you do? Sure. Yes. So I am a product business coach and I help entrepreneurs, typically women, with a product idea, launch and scale it so that they can have more freedom in their life. And I really, I started this business because I experienced something that a lot of women experience when they first have kids. I was in corporate marketing for a long time in marketing brands like Coca-Cola and Kraft Foods. And I really loved it. Always thought I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. But as soon as I had my first baby, just couldn't see myself going back to work, down like back to the grind of the more than nine to five. It was definitely more than that. And I just had this feeling like, oh, this emotional tug that I need to do something else that would allow me to have more freedom in my life. And so I thought, well, starting a business seems like a great idea. It seems like a way to achieve that. And, uh, and actually, we lived in Australia at, at the time. And so what I did was we knew somebody in Canada who was running a business. And I said, look, I'm going to expand your business here in Australia. And that was my way into it. So basically, I started a product business over there and grew it to uh, seven figures. And, and then eventually, we left Australia. And I had to kind of leave the business. But that always stayed with me because I felt like, okay, I've built something that allowed me to have more flexibility. And I really want other women to feel that same flexibility. So that's when I started to coach other women to launch and scale their product businesses. That's so neat. So tell me a little bit, what kind of product were you selling over in Australia? Yeah, it's very interesting and very unique. Whenever I tell people this, they're like, oh, how did you get into that? But um, (laughs) (laughs) it was importing fruit and vegetable products from South America. So food products and selling, mostly selling them to private label and brands and basically, yeah importing and growing it within retailers. So I got into like Woolworths and Coles, which are the biggest retailers Mm. in Australia. If you don't get in there, then you don't really have a business. So I knew I had to get into those two retailers. Then it was super interesting. I learned a ton about other aspects of the business that I didn't know as much about. So things like sales Mm. and importing and logistics and all that kind of stuff, which is something that just like a crash course in it. So yeah, it was really interesting. Definitely not like an area that I would have chosen if it wasn't me expanding 
and somebody else's already existing business. So I learned a lot from the business owner who was managing in Canada at the time and sort of brought that experience over to Australia. Yeah. Nothing builds your credibility and experience like selling a perishable product. <laughs> like talk about under the gun, like especially fruit and vegetable. My God. Uh, oh, that's true. Actually, I have to pair, like, I have to caveat that, but it wasn't fresh. It was canned okay. and jarred. So yeah, no, oh, it was not perishable. <laughs> that not would be a like, bigger challenge. Yeah. Not within like a week, but I'm sure they still had best no. before dates and stuff like yes. that. Whereas yeah. you can leave a piece of clothing on the shelf for five years if you really want to. Okay. Well, it's not going to go anywhere for the most part. So that's true. That's true. Different channels for sure. But sounds like you've really had to kind of learn and teach yourself a lot of things along the way, which is just the epitome of being an entrepreneur and kind of picking up all those things that you kind of look at are overwhelming, like logistics and importing and kind of figure them out. So, so bravo to you. That's amazing. So the theme of this episode that we really wanted to narrow in creating a winning product. And I know we chatted a little bit about this before we started the interview, but my listeners are kind of a mix of people who probably have a few products already going and maybe they want to launch a new product. So they're kind of looking for that new product idea and how it fits into their existing business, as well as a few people who are kind of starting out and maybe just trying to either find a new product or reaffirm that what they're doing makes sense. So can you talk to me a little bit about like, where do you begin when you're starting to find a winning product? Like what are some things that you look for in selecting that and starting out? Yes, for sure. This is one of my favorite things to do is ideation and coming up with a product idea. And there are so many different ways that you can figure out what the next product is. For one though, if you are an existing business, either even if you're a service-based business or a product-based business, figure out what your customers are asking. What are they asking you for? And you must get this a lot, Christy, in your business. Like they're probably saying, hey, I wish we had this. So there you go. There's your new product idea because your customers (laughs) are asking for it. So really getting to know your customers, interview them, find out their pain points. And then secondly, I'd say is always think about what problem you're solving and start with the problem because great products solve a problem So I'll give you an example of this. I have a client who she's a doula and she was always hearing from her clients that when she would tell her clients after they give birth that they needed to buy incontinence underwear, people would look at her with this mortified look on their face. Like, what are you telling me to buy? Mm -hmm. So she took that and she thought, well, how can I help them feel more cared for Like it's a very sensitive time and you really don't want to be doing that. So what can I do to help solve this problem that people are having? And so she came up with a product called Mumdies, which is maternal underwear. And this underwear is for after postpartum. And there's really nothing like it that solves that problem. And she's actually applied for a patent for it. And so it's disposable maternal underwear that helps you right after you've had a baby. And so that is another thing. So solving a problem. And then when you're coming up with an idea, always think about different ways to solve the problem because maybe your first method to solve the problem isn't the one you go with. So in her case, she was thinking, oh, should it be disposable or should it be washable? Or is it underwear or is it just an insert or pad? So you could really like ideate around just the problem and figuring out different ways to solve it. 
And then also it's really looking at what's happening in the world and what are the trends. For example, when we look at COVID, like that was the epitome of innovation and, and big things that happen in the world actually usually, usually do spur innovation, where all of a sudden you've got all these new different ways of, of people interacting in the world and doing business. And so it brought on a lot of innovation, like, well, everyone's wearing masks, for example, or all the antibacterial products that are coming up. People are staying home more. So like we're looking at more home decor and renovations and office solutions. So you could really look at trends and what's happening in the world and come up with a product from that. (laughs) So I I know this is a lot, but there's so many different ways to come up with, with ideas. And you really just need to look at what's happening in the world. How can you solve it? And then go from there. Does that help? Yeah, totally. I mean, you gave some really great tips there on how to brainstorm and ideate those ideas. And I think oftentimes a lot of the great businesses start with that product that's really solving a need oftentimes that they have that's unmet. So, Mm, you know, I know in my business, like my first product solved a need that I had specifically because I couldn't find anything that was versatile and and stylish and well-made. Like it just didn't exist. But Mm. I do know that one thing that happens when you have these ideas and maybe not the more senior you are in your business, because it's like easier to figure it out. But like when you're just starting out, and you have like these brilliant ideas. <laughs> and then the next thing that comes to mind is like, how do I do that? <laughs> how do I True. actually make this product happen? So can you take me through, like, I know that's like a big challenge or obstacle. And that sometimes yeah. can put people off, like even making a product. Cause they're like, I don't have background in fashion or manufacturing. Like, how can I figure out how to make that? For example, those postpartum underwear that you mentioned. So what are some things that people can do if they're just starting out and trying to figure out, like, can I even do this? Like, what are some steps that you recommend to your clients? Oh, for sure. It's such a good question. And I think that's the biggest hurdle people face when they're launching a product is that they don't know where to start and it seems so overwhelming. So what I typically do is I take them through a process, like a product development process, and we go step by step through different phases. So the first one is the ideation, coming up with several ideas And then we test those ideas in something called concept testing. So we truly try to find the best idea for them. And we might have to tweak the concept when we actually go with it. So you can actually do some testing on your own. You don't need like a massive research budget to do that either. And then the next thing we do is we plan it out and we want to make sure that some of the financials make sense. How would you go about launching it? And then we start developing. So this is where people get tripped up. Like they're they're thinking, well, I'm not a seamstress. I can't launch a clothing line. But you don't actually need to be the one doing it. So you have this concept, your idea. And you can either take that sort of piece of paper drawing that you have. Maybe you can also get a 3D drawing as well. And then Also, you can develop like a mock prototype yourself. Like I know somebody who was designing bags and she developed her own little prototype with Bristol board at her kitchen table. So you can just, all you need to do is be able to visualize it and then give it to a professional who knows how to design clothing or whatever it is. Like if it's a hard good, then an engineer who might need to draw, like develop the actual design of it. 
And then once you have that sort of working prototype, then that's bringing it to the manufacturers and finding out which is the best manufacturer to develop your product. And then you go through the launch phase of once kind of what you want to produce and how much, then you're going to try to pre-sell, produce and, and launch your product. But yeah, I think you're right. Like people get mostly tripped up around the develop stage where they don't know, they think they need to be an engineer to launch a product or a clothing designer, but they don't really need to as because that's your business and how you launch your product. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That can be like a key limiting belief that like you can't do something because you don't have training in that area. And I think it's even easier now than when I started like eight years ago, because now there's like such a big gig economy where people, you can get an Upwork.com, a pattern maker, whereas like back then I had to go to like a resume bank, (laughs) my local (laughs) fashion incubator and try and sort out there. In many ways, some industries are still very much like that. Like I know to find a manufacturer in Canada of clothing, for example, like you have to like know who knows the person that does it. Like they're not in like the yellow pages or online. Like if you don't have websites, like there's still a lot of like guardrails to get in into some industries, particularly for sure. And I've definitely seen that when coaching clients that the they underestimate how long the product development process takes <laughs> because right. it does take a long time, right? Like to get that like product in motion, what you talked about, the prototype to test it and all that kind of stuff, packaging, if you're importing it or whatever, like there's so many steps to it. So what do you see generally like an average time? Like how long does it take your clients to develop a product from end to end? Wow. It, yeah, it really varies depending on what the product is. But if like, for example, you don't need to start it with something that a manufacturer overseas has to develop and get into prototypes that are thousands of dollars to produce. You can even be a product business owner by like making your own products. I guess that would probably be the quickest way to get to market is actually if you're the maker and you are selling your products. And so that's like within a matter of, I mean, you could start doing that right away if you're making something already. And so usually it takes a few months at least to a year, sometimes even longer than a year. It really just depends on if they can get the prototype nail, but you're right. Like that is probably the biggest thing that takes the longest is getting the right product. Cause it can take a few iterations of, of tweaking the product. And then with the manufacturer finding the right manufacturer. So I don't want to scare people off or anything, but it just like, it does depend on the product. Yeah. I like to talk real talk on the show. So feel free to scare people off. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I think there's way too many people out there not telling the truth about these things Mm -hmm. and making it seem like you can just find a product off of Alibaba and just drop ship it and make a million dollars. I like to be the (laughs) antidote to that a little bit and give people, because I think oftentimes like a lot of our listeners and myself included are really hard on ourselves in terms of how long it takes to do some things. And we think, oh my God, we should be so much faster at this. But like reality, it does take a pretty significant amount of time if you're going to do it right. So I think that's a really important point to reiterate. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit about pricing. Cause I know this is also a really hot topic. I feel like I could do an hour on this, but when, when launching a product, you got to figure out how much you're going to charge for that product. If you're going to go e-commerce, like, or if you're going to go wholesale and e-commerce, like how do you even start broaching that subject with like 
pricing. And then also, I guess, not just like pricing for profitability, but also pricing for where you feel like that brand should be positioned in the market. And like, how do you have any tips you can recommend to our audience about that and like figuring out the right price to charge? Yes, for sure. That is always a tricky one. So we start all the way back, even at the concept stage, when we're just figuring out, is this product something that people would buy and are they interested in it? And a concept is basically you you show visual and you sort of write about what does your product do? What does it solve? You give all the details about where they can find it and the pricing and everything like that. And even at that stage where they don't see the product in their hand, they can give you some feedback on the pricing. And so we ask questions typically like, what do you think of like the value of the product? What, what would they pay? But a really good question, series of questions to ask is called the Van, I don't know if I'll pronounce this right, Van Westendorp price sensitivity model. Basically, there's four different questions and it really gives you a good range of what your price range could be and what people are willing to pay. So the four questions are, at what price would it be so low that you start to question the product's quality? At what price do you think this product is starting to be a bargain? At what price does this product begin to seem expensive? And at what price is this product too expensive? So you can see it, you can get a really good range. And then when you get those answers back, you clearly see this is kind of the range that people would be willing to pay. And this is what I always go back to is what is the value to the consumer? How much are they willing to pay? Because it doesn't matter what your costs are to develop the product. The consumer doesn't see that. It's really what they are, like the market is willing to pay. So I always go back to that. And then always, it's great to actually look at your competitors and what the market is charging and, and seeing what they actually pay for in the market. And then lastly, look at your costs, like make making sure that you're making a decent margin on your product if you're pricing it in that way. And uh, and we can get into margins and stuff like that. But I like I think that those four questions are amazing to ask your mm. audience in, I don't know, like a survey or some kind of focus yeah. group or whatever. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I, I didn't kind of highlight that enough when you talked about the development process, but that idea of concepting. I think a lot of people will fall in love with their idea and then just like start running with it yes. without really researching if anybody else thinks that's a good idea too. And so you kind of have to build that in. And I can tell you worked in CPG, consumer packaged goods by the concept, because we used to do that at Colgate right. Olive and do those kind of like insight testing and seeing what people think of different angles of products and, and whatnot which is great because I think that's an interesting practice to bring into startups because it might help people later on avoid kind of like that pricing question thing. I can't remember what it's called. It sounds interesting. It avoids getting into that situation where like you've now set up your supply chain, you've developed a concept of a product, you haven't tested with anybody, your costs are what they are. And now you're looking at pricing and you're like, "Uh oh, I have to like (laughs) re-engineer backwards into something that might make sense for the consumer but I don't really know, but these are my costs. And now I have to, so I think that's where it gets like really tricky because margin is really important, especially in an environment where a lot of paid marketing, whether it's influencers or PR or Facebook ads has to go into the, you know, new customer acquisition cycle. So you need money for that. We tend to have a ton of people listening to this podcast who are on that sustainable side. So definitely the higher price products, 
but higher priced inputs. So I know pricing is like a big thing (laughs) with this group that listens and it's with me too. Like I always feel like I should make my product cheaper. So it's always good to touch back to those points and see like, okay, does this make sense? And and like you said, they don't care if a dress costs, I don't know, $10 to make and the t-shirt costs $10 to make. It doesn't make sense to make the t-shirt $120 and the dress $120 in their mind. So you have to kind of approach that by item by item. So I think that totally makes sense as well. What do you think are some good, like just in your experience, and you can give a range if you want, some good incoming margins to start off with in terms of gross margins? Yeah, I I always kind of go back to like, if your product costs, say, $10, try to make sure that you're selling it for at least four to six times higher. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounds like a lot to some people because they're thinking, oh, well, then I have a huge margin. But when you think about it, as you said, you're going to be paying for ads. You might be selling to retailers, like you're selling wholesale. So they want 100% margin. So Mm -hmm. there you go. Like you at least have to have it lower than 50%. So I think at least like four to six times is a good rule of thumb. And and yeah, and then as, as you said, like I know with the sustainable industry, the costs are a lot higher, but I think people are shifting their mindset to that. Like it's important for them and they will be willing to pay more for sustainable products. Mm-hmm. So that is shifting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would say over the last year, we've seen like definitely throughout the pandemic, people's tendencies to support local, shop local, and know that's going to cost more and sustainable as well is becoming. I think more and more prevalent, but it's always that fine balance, right? Of like uh, most people I've coached in the past have underpriced their products, in my opinion. So mm. I always like to bring it up because I think four to six times is a great marker. I also love to build in when I do like forecasting for price, I build in like a lot of variable costs that you wouldn't necessarily put in like a PL. Like I'll okay. put in like packaging and like hang tags and transaction fees, like anything that varies on the product just to really see like what my true margin is. So then I'm like padding my margin a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, because it's just all those little things that you don't think about. Like a corrugate box is really expensive. Like people don't know that like you get a branded box, it's like $2.60 per unit. Like it's a lot of money out of margin dollars. So, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. So let's shift gears and talk a little bit more about launching products. So let's say you've got your product, you've got your price, maybe you're going to go direct to consumer e-commerce. Like what are some of your favorite promotional tactics and marketing channels for bringing a product to life online? Yeah. So I, I think when most people think about marketing, they think about paid advertising, but I'd like to always start with, okay, look first at your owned channels. So what channels do you own? as well as thing called earned channels. So there's paid, earned, and owned channels, basically. So owned being like, look at your website, make sure your SEO is really working for you and sort of search engine optimization, like everyone can find you easily on Google and that you're improving your rankings. Well, I guess when you're just launched, you can't see exactly, but like you can do things to improve your SEO. So start building that in upfront. Also, like make sure your website experience is amazing and that it's seamless and getting of course on the social channels where your clients or, or your customers are at and also your email marketing make sure that you've got your email marketing set up so you're collecting emails and you're going to be able to market to your audience through emails so really like looking after your own channels and then I love to look at 
leveraging the power of earned channels like influencers, PR, celebrities, because people love kind of getting product recommendations and hearing through things through word of mouth. And they just tend to trust it more than just having a paid ad served to them. So I love looking at that second. And then also, of course, paid advertising. And and then lastly, I'll say being where your audience is and thinking about how they shop. So if you're an e-commerce business, well, they may not be going to your website so easily. Like that's just not how people tend to shop. They like to shop in one spot, which is why Amazon, of course, does so well. So looking at marketplaces or looking at trade and consumer shows to get that visibility and being in retailers as well can give you way more visibility because you're in where they're already shopping for other things and they see you there and you've got a bit of credibility because you're there as well. Yeah, that's so nice that you bring up the fact that you don't have to always do paid ads for sure. Cause that's definitely something I think that holds a lot of people back. They think that's mandatory. And I do think it's a good channel to have in your marketing mix for sure, but it's also not accessible necessarily to everybody when they're just starting out. Cause it does right. take quite a bit of money to get in there for sure. And to do it properly and find the right people to help you. So, so I love that. So what kind of tools and apps do you swear by for like recommending to your clients for like managing this whole product development process? Is there anything that you particularly love? Yes. I love SurveyMonkey for testing, like concept testing or any kind of research. And people usually think of SurveyMonkey as like just a survey, but you can, if with the paid version, you can really do a lot. Like you can test with a panel of like anonymous people to you. And you can do a lot of different kinds of testing. So I do love SurveyMonkey. Answer the public is an interesting one where you can just search something and get a whole bunch of answers and see what people are asking about your product. So that's great for if you're building your content and doing content development. I also really like SEM Rush. So that's a great tool when you're looking at improving your SEO, looking for keywords, looking at your competitors' websites and you know how they're doing. And in terms of just everyday social, like using Hootsuite and InShot for videos and Canva for creating graphics, all of those things. Yeah, those are all some great tools. Uh, SurveyMonkey is awesome. I love that. And Canva is just so easy to use. I mean, oh my gosh, that's one of my favorites too. So, so great tips. So tell me a little bit about what you're working on now. Like how do people work with you? Products coming up or programs that you're launching that you want to highlight? Yeah, for sure. Well, what I do is I work with people on a group basis and it's called the Product Pathway. It's a four-month group coaching program and it takes you from product idea to launch. So really excited about that. I also have just one-on-one coaching where we talk about your business and, and try to scale your business. And I'm also working on products and hopefully creating a platform so you can stay tuned for that. Awesome. So we'll make sure to put all the links to Nicole's website and her social media in the show notes. But before we wrap up, I want to get into a few hot seat questions. I think we have a few minutes left. So I'm going to pick three that I love and ask you them. And these are just quick one or two word answers. The first thing that comes to mind for you, what's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine? Okay. Definitely coffee. And I also (laughs) walk my dog. So that's my kind of Zen thinking time. 
What's your favorite business book that you've ever read? Okay, so I give this book a lot to my clients called Building a Story Brand by Donald oh, yeah. Miller. Yeah. So good. So good. So, yeah, I love yeah. that book. Yeah, their podcast is amazing. I love that mm-hmm. podcast. I listened to it for hours, but really good. What's your favorite podcast that you have on your podcast list right now that you're listening to? Well, this one is probably not so well-known or maybe it is. I don't know. It's called Project Me with Tiffany. And I just find her hilarious. It's, oh. it's a business podcast, but she's very, if you like real, she's, she's, she tells it like it is, which I love. It's hilarious. Yeah. No, I love real. I like people who are totally who they are authentically. So that's awesome. We'll definitely link up to that one in the show notes. And last but not least, what's your favorite Instagram account that you're following right now? <laughs> well, I love fitness. And I've really been on a mission to get back in great shape. So I started following Ida Bergforth and she's oh. now my trainer. So I virtually train with her, but she is like so amazing. She's just oh, cool. so inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so important to have that like work-life balance as entrepreneurs. So I'll definitely check her out. I need some Fitzbo for sure <laughs> right now in my life. So that's been, it's been awesome to get to know you, Nicole. I know I was on your podcast and you have a podcast, which we'll let you talk about a little bit too. And you're based in Canada, which is awesome. So if anybody wants to work with Nicole, we'll put all of her links and information in the show notes. And do you want to just do a, keep, a quick little wrap up where people can find you online if they want to follow you on social media or interact with you or listen to your podcast? Definitely. Thank you so much. And so I'm at Nicole Delarzac everywhere on all the social channels. And you can listen to my podcast, The Productpreneur Podcast, and also join the Productpreneur community on Facebook. And if you go to my website, NicoleDelarzac.com, there's a free download for a marketing plan template. So hopefully that will come in handy for you. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll link up to all of those in the show notes. Thank you again, Nicole, for your time. I really appreciate you. And let's stay in touch. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast and I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.